So Daniel chapter 2, and uh, we'll start in verse 31, and we'll go to verse uh, 45. <clears throat> Alright, starting in verse 31. Thou, O King Solace, and behold a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. In verse 36, this is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art the king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potters as clay, and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. So, Lord, thank you so much for letting us gather together, gather together tonight, Lord. I pray that we will just hear what you have to say to us today, God. Anoint us to hear your word, Lord. Let us just be able to focus on you and disregard any distractions, any other things that are on our minds, trying to keep us from learning something spiritual tonight, something that will 
grow us deeper in you, Father. So I pray that you will just, we will guard against that, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the enemy, Lord, that he wouldn't come in and take away this word out of our ears, Lord, that we may hear your voice tonight, God, that we may grow closer to you, Lord, tonight. Tomorrow's not certain, Lord, so please just let us focus on you tonight and get what we can from you and give what we can to you, Lord, and offer ourselves a living sacrifice to you. I pray that you will just be with everybody at this church tonight, Lord, that if there's a need anywhere that somebody needs to have met tonight, that it will be met in your grace, Lord, that we will come to you with what we need because we know you are a loving Father and you hear us, Lord. Just anoint me, Lord, to say what you'd have me to say and let me only do what is in your will for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going to talk about let the rock break the molded image tonight. That is our title, let the rock break the molded image. So in this passage of the Bible, Daniel and his friends have been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's plan here was that they were going to teach them the language of the the Chaldeans or Chaldeans, however you say it, and their ways so that they could be of use in this kingdom because Daniel and his friends were Hebrews. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? Well, those are Daniel's friends. These these are part of the, the other friends that are held captive with them, which those are their pagan names. Uh, their, their Hebrew names are, uh, oh, there it is, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So that was their Hebrew names. So they've all been taken captive and uh, so that they can learn these things and be of use to uh, the people that have taken them captives. So the king dreams a dream. And we, I'm, I'm explaining what has gone on even before the passage we've read. Because this whole chapter, I would have loved to have read it, but it was only it was uh, 49 verses long. So we didn't go through and read the whole chapter. If you want to read it, you can later. But uh, So I'm just going to break down kind of what has been going on. So what happens in this passive, passage of scripture is Nebuchadnezzar, the king, he dreams a dream. And then he calls all the wise men in, and the magicians and the astrologers. And he says, hey, you guys come in here. I want you to uh, interpret my dream. And so they say, okay, well, tell us what your dream was. And he goes, no, it it is gone from me, he says. He forgot it. He, He could not remember what his dream was. So he says, I want you to tell me what my dream was and then interpret it. And so the wise men were like, we can't do that. Uh, that nobody's ever asked that of anybody before. It is a rare thing that you have asked us, is what they said. And so the king gets mad about this, that they don't know his dream, that they can't interpret it. So he just declares, all right, well, you know, I'm just going to kill all the wise men. And this would have included Daniel and his friends. And so when Daniel finds out that their lives are in danger, he asks if he could have just a little bit of time to seek the Lord to see if he could... Uh, the Lord revealed to him his dream and the interpretation of it as well. And so he is allowed to seek God. And so uh, as Daniel and his friends seek the Lord, the Lord does reveal the dream to Daniel and the interpretation of it. And so that's such just an amazing thing that God did here because it's an amazing thing. I've never had somebody else's dream revealed to me. And it's such an interesting thing because our dreams most of the time, just like the king, we can't even remember what they were. So to imagine somebody telling you exactly what you dreamed, and then you're like, that was it. 
is such an amazing thing. It's a powerful thing. It was so simple and yet so powerful because God did so many great things in the Bible. And even since the Bible has been written in all of history, he's done just a magnitude of amazing things. But this is just one other amazing way that God worked. So he revealed the dream to Daniel, and uh, I, I completely agree with the wise men that this was a crazy thing that the king asked them to do, and it was impossible to know what his specific dream was that night. But God can do anything, and in this situation, he was mighty to save his people, Daniel and his friends. So Daniel explains that while the king was asleep, he saw a great image, and this is where we pick up in our scripture that we actually read. Uh, he saw a great image, and this image had a head of gold, a chest and arms that were silver, belly and thighs that were brass, legs that were iron, and the feet were half iron and half clay. So then the king saw a stone cut out without hands that smote the image, and it broke it into pieces. And all those pieces were carried away on the wind like chaff is on the threshing floor till they could not be found. And so you know how the wheat works, what they're talking about here, like chaff on the wind. They'll throw up the chaff and the wheat together and uh, fan it, whatever. The wind will catch the chaff and the chaff will blow away while the wheat is heavier and it will remain with them. So that's what he's talking about here. So the pieces of this image uh, were carried away on the wind is what it says. So then the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and it filled the whole earth. So that is quite a dream. So I'm surprised that the king even forgot it. But I guess I shouldn't be surprised because it was for God's glory. So that God could reveal that dream to Daniel. So that Daniel could save his people. So that Nebuchadnezzar could know who uh, the uh, real God was. And then also the king was just amazed at it. He fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel, verse 46 says, and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. And also something that I didn't mention that just came to me is that uh, whenever Daniel came before the king, he came in great humbleness. He didn't come before the king and was like, all right, I'm going to tell you how this went down. This is exactly what happened, and, uh, and you can thank me later. He didn't go about it anyway. What he said to the king, which I won't read the verse specifically, but what he said to the king was basically, I'm nobody, and the only reason that I can tell you this is because the God of heaven and earth told me. is because God revealed it to me. God is the one that should be praised in this situation. Daniel didn't go in there with any kind of an air or trying to act like he was anybody. He kept it simple and he said, I am the Lord's servant in a way. So, so now Daniel tells the interpretation of the dream. And so as far as this lesson tonight goes, we're going to go in a bit of a different direction than what this scripture is completely about. But we are going to go ahead and talk about the interpretation now anyway. So uh, the head of gold represents Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom because it said that God had given him a kingdom of power, strength, and glory. So then we're just going to reread verses 39 through 43 just to refresh it. And uh, uh, verse 39 says, And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. Okay, I'm sorry. I will keep going. That's really sad. <laughs> and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdueth all things, and as iron 
that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So the gold kingdom was Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And then uh, I'm just going to read some from a commentary that's kind of explaining what all these kingdoms are. So the next kingdom after Nebuchadnezzar's, uh, this was that of the Medes and Persians, inferior in time, for it lasted not half so long as the Assyrian in prosperity and tranquility. Yet was this wonderful, rich, and large kingdom for a time. So the third kingdom, this was the Grecian monarchy under Alexander the Great, called Brass, because coarser than the other. Over all the earth, Alexander marched even to the Indies and was said to conquer the world. So the fourth kingdom, this is the kingdom of the Romans, and was to last not only to Christ's first coming, but under Antichrist to his second coming. This did break in pieces all other kingdoms being too strong for them and brought all into subjection to it till the stone fell upon it. And then the divided one was the partly strong and partly weak. The Roman kingdom was divided partly by their civil wars, partly when conquered provinces and kingdoms cast off the Roman yoke and was set up of their own. And so the entire, the empire was divided into ten, ten kingdoms or toes, like the scriptures said. So God's purpose in all of this, he was revealing things about kingdoms that was going to come to pass. He was talking about how Nebuchadnezzar had that gold kingdom and there was going to be another kingdom inferior to it and so on and so forth is what he was trying to say. He was giving a prophecy, a glimpse into what the future was going to be. And then uh, it starts to talk, the scripture talks about the stone that is cut out without hands that breaks all the other kingdoms to pieces. And this is clearly Jesus and his kingdom. He will conquer all nations and be more powerful than them all. His kingdom shall fill the whole earth, just like the mountain did in the scripture. It said the mountain filled the whole earth. Christ's kingdom will fill the whole earth and shall stand forever. We know this is also talked about in Revelation, how the Lord will reign forever with his people. And that's just such an amazing thought, that the only uh, kingdom will be God's. There will be no other kingdom. There will be no other nations. It will just be the Lord's kingdom only. We will live in peace. We won't ever have to be concerned about war. We'll never have to be concerned about invasion. But we will just know that we are safe with him forevermore. Such an amazing thought. Because everybody, even people that are not saved, thirst for peace. Why do you think the United Nations was created? They want everyone just to live in harmony and peace. But it is not within the human race to be able to do that. It is not able. There's so many nations and we just can't all get along. It's just the fact of life. But whenever Christ establishes his kingdom and it fills the whole earth, it will be in peace and harmony. So what a plan our Lord has for us. Not just for this life, but the life to come. So he has such great things in store for us. So why can we not trust our lives to him? How can we go about, go about our lives not just fully committing ourselves to him? So um, that's all we're going to talk about as far as the, uh, the actual scripture. We're going to go ahead and move in the direction of uh, let the rock break 
the molded image in your life. So um, we're referring to this image as a molded image because of what the image was made out of. Because it was made out of metal. Whenever you, uh, they would make an image out of metal or even anything, they have to pour it into a mold. It's poured into the mold and then it's cooled to create an image. So we have read uh, that each different kind of metal represented a different kingdom. And these different kingdoms were going to be powerful, some more than others, and they were going to go around conquering the world. So it seems that we have molded images of how we personally are supposed to act and perform in our lives. Religion tells us that we need to act a certain way, that you need to be excited for Jesus, but not too excited. Don't you get too out of hand because this is, this is a religious ceremony. We need to be religious and we need to be calm and collected. Uh, maybe you, you need to do this or you need to do that is what religion is always trying to do. It's trying to mold you into something that is just fits their agenda. Um, that only certain people can maybe be ministers of the gospel. And another thing that I'm going to bring up tonight that I've heard said over and over is that youth are the church of tomorrow or of the future. I know you guys have heard that said, that people, people care about the young people, and I know they do, but a lot of times when they talk about you, they're talking about how you're the church of the future. You're the church of tomorrow. Uh, it seems that you guys aren't always giving it, given a chance to do the great work that he has called you to do now, because he has a great work for you to do now, not in 15 years when you've got it all together. He has a great work for you to do in your youth, where you're at in this time right now. So today, I just want to challenge you to allow Christ to break that molded image from your life. So just as these molds uh, that people want to set for us, conquer us and bring us down like these kingdoms would do. These kingdoms were going to go out and conquer. And that's what these molded images do in our life. Whenever somebody comes to us or, or even they don't come to us and they just imply it or you just feel this, this uh, restriction, restriction around you. They come and they want you to, to fit into this molded image of what you're supposed to be to them. Uh, they want to tell us what we are supposed to be. Uh, you can't start a revival because you're not holy enough. You can't preach in your school because you're not wise enough in the scriptures. You can't go out into the streets and witness because you're just crazy. Nobody does that anymore. You are too young to be anything for God yet. You are the future, not the present. Just sit back while us older people take care of everything. You need to be silent and learning. These are molded images that others are trying to form you to. And the only thing that can save us from these molded images and expectation of others is a rock that has been cut out of the mountain without hands. That's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He has the ultimate say on what our lives should be and what our work on this earth will be, whether others agree with it or not. When Jesus steps into your life and he says, Michaela, this is what I've got for you and I want you to do it, then that is what you walk in. You don't stop and say, wait a second, this isn't the mold that my parents have set for me. This isn't the mold that the principal at my school has set for me. This isn't the mold that, that my boss has set for me. People say that I would be good at this. People say that I should go and do that. No, 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 that's not. When we step into who Christ is and who Christ wants us to be, that is where we go. We break away 
away from that molded image. Christ comes and he breaks that mold into pieces. He is our deliverer. He is our boss. He is the one and the only one that can do something with our lives. We can spend an entire lifetime trying to squeeze into the expectations of our family, of our friends, even of our church, but only Christ has the right to that position in our lives. He's the only one that has the right to give us a mold that we need to step into, and that is him. When we fully submit to his leadership and we say yes to that calling, he comes by and he breaks the molded image that we would become, and he breaks it into pieces. How awesome. We know we are free from sin. We all know that. I've heard it preached so much. We know we're free from sin. We know we're free from hell and that we're heaven bound. But now we can truly know that we are free from the bondage of fulfilling other people's expectations of our lives. Other people's molded images that they want us to fit into can be broken through the power of what Christ can do for us. And also, uh, this is a, a side note, do realize that I'm not saying you should never seek counsel or get an opinion about something in your life from your parents or from an elder or from anybody. I'm just saying uh, it is so important to have mentors that are there for you. And we want to be there for that. Be that for you. We want to be here to be your mentors if you need anything. But I'm not saying you should avoid talking to anybody. But what I am talking about is being restricted in your walk with Christ or in your calling that he's called you to. That you cannot do what he wants you to do because of the bounds that somebody else has set on you. He is the one that needs to set bounds for what you are going to be. He is the one that you listen to. So just because you are young doesn't mean that you are useless to the kingdom of God. Just because you can't sing or you can't quote scripture or you can't play an instrument doesn't mean that you have nothing to offer. On the contrary, you are so important. You have everything to offer because you have Jesus. He is the one that makes us worthy in the first place. So let's just look at a couple of examples real quick in the Bible of young people that did awesome work for God because there's so many. And and I that that's been my main point of this this night is that I just don't want you guys to go about living your long, young life thinking that you've got nothing to offer God or his kingdom. That, that there's nothing that you can do because you're just young and all the old people have it taken care of. That's not the way it is. He wants you. He has a plan for you. He wants you to be able to go out and fulfill the calling that he has on your life. And maybe that is being a preacher. Maybe that is being a singer. Maybe that is being... Uh, a witness at your school in a mighty way, starting a revival. Maybe it's something even just even smaller. Maybe you're, he wants you to lead a certain person to Christ that is just on their way to the pits of hell. Whatever it may be, he has a plan for you and he has you here for that specific purpose right now. Your purpose isn't going to wait until you're 25 or until you're in college or, or until you have kids. You have a purpose right now. You have a purpose that he wants you to fulfill right now, and uh, he wants you to do that now in your youth. So David was a youth, but he slayed Goliath. He was such a young boy, but he went before Goliath in the power of God's strength. There was Mary, who was a young teenager. I've heard a lot of people say she was probably like 14, maybe younger. I don't know. But she birthed the Savior. There was a young servant girl, which didn't even get a name in Scripture. But she was the one that told Naaman, who was a captain of the Syrian army, of Elisha the prophet who could heal him of his leprosy. 
And he was, Naaman was the one that had to wash in the Jordan seven times to get rid of his leprosy. You might remember that from Sunday school. And then also in this very story, Daniel was a young person that had been taken into captivity. Daniel wasn't some 40-year-old man at this point. He was a young person. He may have even been your age. He sought God and he received the interpretation of the dream. And all the wise men were saved because of this. He saved all those wise men, not only him and his friends, but he also saved the other wise men that they may have a chance to turn to God so that they may have a chance to serve God rather than serve whatever they had been serving. So break out of the mold that religion has set for you for who should preach the gospel. Break out of the mold that your age has set for you, that your family has set for you, that your friends have set for you, that you're too young to do anything for God, or you're not talented enough, that you will never amount from to anything because you came from some family or something like that. Break out of the mold that even your friends set for you, that, that, they, don't, that they don't want anything to do with Christ, so you shouldn't either. Break out of that. Let Christ break that, that, that molded image for you, because Christ is is the molded image breaker. He decides what you should do and what you should become. So step into the mold of Christ. Step into his grace, his salvation, and his plan for your life. Allow him to be the rock that breaks you from that molded image that has been set up and that has conquered you in your life. It just seems to tower above you like some kind of unattainable goal, but he will bring deliverance to you. He will break that image that others have set on your life. And I, uh, I do want to point this out, that remember what happened to the pieces that were broken up into the small pieces. Verse 35 says, Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff to the summer or of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. There was no place found for them. Once Christ breaks the molded image in your life, there is no place found even for the pieces to be left in your life. Even the pieces of that image are not allowed there. So then what happens after this? Verse 44 says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. After the broken pieces are scattered away, then God establishes his kingdom in you and it stands forever. When you have allowed Christ to come in and break these things away, you allow him to have his perfect way so that his kingdom, his plan, his purpose, his will can stand in you forever and accomplish what he wants. When Christ establishes something in you, he does it right the first time. You don't have to worry anymore after you have allowed him to set up his kingdom in your life, for it shall stand forever. Invite him into your life tonight. And maybe you are already a Christian with him in your life, but you haven't been allowing him to break those molded images, those expectations, those purposes, and those plans that other people have set up for you. Maybe you've been feeling him calling you to do something, wanting you to do something, but you're not sure how the people around you would accept it, how they would take it. Allow him to break that from your life tonight so that you can step in to the power of that calling, to, to the purpose of his calling on your life. Ask him to break it. 
Ask him to come into your life and set up his kingdom and his purpose for you forever. Then trust that he has done that very thing and walk in that victory that he has restored in you. Because it doesn't mean that those people will never say anything to you. It doesn't mean that those people will just uh, all of a sudden back down and say, oh, 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 all right, you're... You, the, the image is broken. We're all done. You may still have to stand up and say, no, this is what God has called me into. This is what I am going to do. I am going to live in that. And I am going to do this through uh, the power of Christ.